0: welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thankful for everyone who's coming on to the live right now. And thank you already for the 581 likes that we've received thus far. Ain't even done nothing yet and y'all already liking the show. I really do appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in the comment box below for any questions or comments that you may have. And toward the end of the show, we will drop down in that comment box and answer all questions that we have as long as time permits. And so we're just thankful again for you guys coming on uh, with us today. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about a teacher that went viral for kids not minding her during her ballet class and uh, some of the implications that we can take from what's going on with our kids in today's generation. We're also going to be talking about being addicted to cheating in our sanctification session um, in a unique case that I'm that I'm dealing with in therapy um, to kind of highlight kind of a an addiction to a dark to darkness um, in some of the ways that we can become inventors of evil as it states in Romans chapter one. Um, In our something praiseworthy segment, we're going to be talking about Mike Epps. And how he has bought his entire childhood neighborhood and, um, and created affordable housing for, um, for people to be able to live in the neighborhood. Um, and you now, awesome um, that, uh, that, that endeavor has become. But we're going to start our show off today continuing our series in, um, in Shadows of the Cross. As we're looking at the book of Hebrews and how Jesus is the key to all of scripture. From Genesis through Revelation, everything is pointing to the Savior. Everything is pointing to the cross. So again, we're thankful for every person that's coming on live. We're grateful for all of you guys and hope that we're able to say something to you today that will edify, magnify, deliver, and set free any of any of our um, souls that are, um, that are watching on today. We're going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into our word for this morning. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful, God, that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and truth on today. We're asking, Lord God, that you just saturate this entire worship service on today, Uh, that every word that's said on today, Lord God, that it be a testament to the true and living God, a testament to who you are, your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, and your truth. Lord God, we ask that anything that is said on today, um, let it be none of me and all of you. Lord God, we're asking... I am asking a special prayer for some good internet today, Lord God, that we just have some reliable internet that we are able to get this message out to your people on today. Uh Lord God, so touch the airwaves, touch the the signals, whatever it is that you got to do on today uh that we may be able to have a reliable, so- reliable source a reliable source to be able to get this word out to you on today. Um We're asking, Lord God, for those who don't have a walk with you, God, uh, that they uh, grow to be curious about you and grow to love you, bless you, and honor you in duty and delight, and that the word edify and magnify the souls of those who do have a walk with you, that they may continue to grow encouraged in their walk with you. And, Lord God, we thank your son, Jesus Christ, for making all this possible by dying on the cross and rising again for our sins so that we may have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And, Lord God, we just thank him. And give you all uh, glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, Give me one second to go check on something. Just to make sure we're still doing okay over here. Okay. Let's see what happens. I'll put you up here now. Hope that makes a difference. Probably not, but we're going to do it anyway. and see what that does. All right. All right, so let's jump into it. Again, we're in our Shadows of the Cross series on today, looking at the book of Hebrews. Again, the book of Hebrews is the author's um, 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 way of reminding the people that he wrote to that all of the Old Testament is a shadow of Jesus Christ. And so what that speaks to us is that all of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, is a shadow of Jesus Christ. Um, the author of Hebrews is showing the people that he wrote to that from Genesis to Malachi, their old, their, their 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 Bible at the time, their scriptures at the time, everything was a picture of the shadow of in a shadow of Jesus Christ from from creation all the way to the end of Malachi everything was a shadow of Jesus Christ the shadow of a picture of who Christ is and so he shows us that he was the greater messenger that all the, the all the, the 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 angels and the prophets they were all messengers of God and those messengers were all shadows of Jesus Christ Jesus is the greater Moses that led us out of um that led has led us out of bondage of, of sin and slavery um in his in his Bought our freedom into um, into everlasting peace with the Father, and is going to usher us into our spiritual promised land in the new heavens and the new earth. He's our great High Priest, um, who has given us the ability to be able to go boldly before the throne of grace and be able to ask for help and to ask for grace and to ask for mercy, um, knowing that Christ Himself has uh, been tempted at every point and yet without sin and still made atonement for us by becoming sin for us, so that we may be called the righteousness of God upon repentance and belief. Um, As the um, author of Hebrews was talking again to talk about uh, this idea of Melchizedek being the shadow of Jesus Christ, he pressed pause to remind us that we as the believers in God must not be stuck on elementary principles and um, and be stuck on these elementary ideas of, of our faith. That salvation and sanctification, although we all we need to hear about it over and over again, we should not be confused about what that is at this point in our walk. If we've been walking with Jesus for a while, we should not still be trying to figure out what is salvation, what is sanctification. There are some things about our faith that we should be sure of. At this point, we shouldn't have to, be, we shouldn't have to continue to know or, be, or try to figure out what is salvation, what is sanctification, what is glorification, where are we going to heaven? We should, those things we should already know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And because if we don't know those things, then it's going to be hard for us to understand the deeper depths that God wants to show us. And so today we're going to be talking about the promises of Abraham and how those are a shadow of Jesus Christ. Uh, we go to the book of Hebrews and we're starting in, in chapter six, starting at verse number thirteen. It says, uh, "Well, let's go back to let's go back to verse number eleven because this is when he introduces the idea of the promises. The thing, the thing I love and the thing that bothers me about this author is that he'll say something at like the tail end of a point that he made and then come and then try, and then make that point. And so you have to go back before you can go forward. Um, but it also reminds us that we have to consider the whole counsel of of, of the word and not just pick apart scriptures. We got to make sure we put them in their proper context to have a better understanding of what what the authors are trying to say to us. So, verse number 11, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner for, on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So again, he brings up Melchizedek for the second time, and we're going to go further into detail about Melchizedek and all that that means in our in our, on, on on tomorrow, um, I think on tomorrow, not sure, um, nevertheless. Uh, Going back to what he's talking about here, when he talks about the promises that he has promised Abraham, those promises and God securing those promises by himself, by swearing by himself, that is a picture of the character and the nature of God and the character and the nature of Christ. Though The promise of Abraham is a shadow of the promise that God has given us. Many times I've heard preachers and, and pastors and, um, and and even gospel artists talk about the blessings of Abraham. The, the, I think the songwriter says, "Get your inheritance." Um, and many times when people mention the, the blessings of Abraham, they're automatically talking about cars, clothes, houses, jobs, land, opportunities, fame fortune they you know uh, spouses kids those are the promises that they're looking to God to 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 get to promise them so when they sing go get your inheritance they're, they're they're rarely talking about anything spiritual and everything that they're wanting God to give them is of the natural what God is saying to us is if we take a bigger if we if we take a if we scale everything back, and look at the big picture, we will see that God is not talking about giving you material blessings. Rather, the blessings of Abraham are a shadow of the promises that God has promised us when it pertains to our soul, when it pertains to our eternity, when it pertains to um, our peace, when it pertains to our, um, our, our communion and our connection to him. God is saying to us, as the believers in God, that the promises that he promises us are not talking about anything of this material age. But rather, it's talking about a soul, a soul transformation. Now, is this to say that we shouldn't pray prayers about the things that we want from God? Absolutely not. If anybody's going to give us anything, surely it is God. But what we're saying today is... Is that the promises of God, the promises of Abraham, are not indicative of, of, of us, you know, being promised specific things unless God says to us specifically that these things he has promised you. And that's between you and him. But What he's saying as a universal truth for all of us is that the blessings of God, the mercies of God, the patience of God, the kindness of God is such to wear... Anything that he's promised us as a universal truth for us all is pertaining to the spirit. When God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Let's go back to verse number 11. And we desire each one of you the same, to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. What is he saying? He's saying that Abraham is a shadow, um, a shadow of the faith that we ought to have and the patience that we ought to have with God in terms of inheriting the eternal promise of eternal life with him in the life to come, that we that we with pa- we with patience are eagerly um, zealous for our faith, that we contend diligently for our faith with joy for our faith, because as Abraham waited for the promise of God to be fulfilled in Isaac being born, the descend that will be the descendant of Israel, the, the or the the uh, the the ancestor of all of Israel, we too. Must wait with patience for the great day when God is going to usher us into the new heavens and the new earth. Now, Abraham becomes a shadow of our faith, insomuch that he waited patiently, albeit there are some trials and tribulations along the way, but he waited patiently for the promise of God. He waited until God decided, You're going to have this child. You're now going. You're now going to have the child that is meant to be the the um uh the child uh, that will be the the ancestor of all of Israel. We as the people of God have been given eternal promises by God, and God is saying, if I told you that I'm preparing a place for you, if I told you that you can have life and life more abundantly, if I told you. Asking, ye shall receive; seeking, ye shall find; knocking, the door shall be open to you. Upon those, I will pour my spirit out on. If I've told you that I will transfer the heart of stone with a heart of, in trans, um, transfer a heart of, a heart of flesh, godly inside you, that will cause you to walk out my precepts, and cause you to walk in my ways, and cause you to do the things that I'm calling you to do. If I've promised that to you, then you can trust and believe that if I said it it will come to pass. And we wait with eager longing for the day that God is going to crack the sky and usher us into the new heavens and the new earth. Yes. That we're that we know that with um that as we're walking by faith and not by sight that we are being molded and shaped into the image of God from one degree of glory to the next. We look to Abraham As a forerunner of sorts of how to be patient with God. To be patient with God as he is doing whatever it is that he's doing. Getting us closer and closer to the great day when we get to live with him forever. We wait patiently for God. For anything that we're praying for. Anything that we're asking for. As it was said... Um, um, On Sunday, um, uh, my pastor said that, you know, that we have to, you know, wait on the Lord for an answer, whether it be in the affirmative or whether he whether it not be. But we have to wait on God for the answer, whether it's yes, no or not yet. We wait patiently for the answer, knowing that whatever the answer God is going to give us is, it is the answer that is meant to grow us closer in spirit and closer in soul to God. Whether it be yes, whether it be no, whether it be not yet, the answer that God gives us is an answer that is going to draw us nearer to God. Because that is the key to any blessing that we receive from him, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. It is for us to draw closer to God, draw closer in relationship to him. Give me one second. And so we again, as the people of God, we we are uh, we with patience wait for God, and we and we and we, and we patiently wait, wait wait on Him, to deliver us, to set us free, to magnify us, to lift us up, to encourage us, and we look to um, Abraham and how patient he was, because Abraham waited a good long time, about twenty something years, before Abraham before Isaac finally arrived. He tried to circumvent God by bringing Ishmael into the world by virtue of Sarah being impatient herself and then catching a whole attitude about it. But God eventually delivered on what he promised. And if he promised Abraham that he would have a son and delivered, how much more will God deliver for us his eternal promises? He says to us in verse 16. and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So what he's saying to us today, and in this, you know, know, it's short and sweet today, what he's saying to us today is that Jesus Christ is our sure anchor. Jesus Christ is our sure hope. Jesus Christ is the one in whom we have eternal peace and we have our in we are anchored in our eternal hope. For as Abraham was given the promise, we have been given a promise too. And our promise is sure. Our promise is just. Our promise is true. We the believers in God Believe earnestly that God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light. And we walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that if God did it for Abraham, surely Christ has done it for us. That if God did it for Moses and the people of Israel, surely God has done it for us. In all the times in the in the places in scripture that we see people waiting on the Lord, we can rest in the comfort of knowing that we too can wait on Jesus. As we as we look to our the look to the examples that have been laid before us, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if God did it for them, he will surely do it for us as well. And so we the people of God can rest in the comfort of knowing that God has done a great work in God having sent his son on the cross to die for us to rise again for us to give us the ability to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth to give us the ability to be able to pay, wait to, to, to with eager patience and eager longing wait on him we're waiting on him to crack that sky open and to deliver us into the new heavens and the new earth. We're waiting on him to give us an opportunity to be able to walk with him and to talk with him and to sup with him. But then that but even in the waiting we can do all those things right now. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit reigns in us. The Holy Spirit moves in us the Holy Spirit gives us all of our being and in that we can take comfort in knowing that if God did it for them he will surely do it for us because he swears to himself he swears by himself he's he's given himself an oath he's declared that oath against himself and because God reigns supreme we can take anything that he says to the bank. That's why he tells us in the word, he tells us in his word, that if we are the people of God, if we are the believers in God, then we, as his, as his people, we have the ability to be able to um, go to him and to lay all of our burdens and all of our issues and all of our problems down before him. And we can wait on him to give us any and everything that we need. That we we, 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 we lay all of our issues and all our problems before him. And because he swears an oath to himself, we can take it to the bank. Anything that he says, we can take it to the bank. That's why he tells us, repent and believe. When we talk about belief in God, when we talk about belief in Jesus... When we talk about believing in the, um, the Holy, the Holy Savior. Try this again, Lord Jesus, have mercy. Sorry, we're going to try it again, y'all. We're going to try it again. But when we talk about believing in Jesus... When we talk about believing in our when we talk about when we talk about repentance and belief, God is saying to us, God is talking to us and he's showing us and he's revealing to us that we as the people of God, we have to believe in everything that he says. We have to believe in everything that he is. We have to believe in everything that he's not. Because again, what scripture shares with us is the fact that if we're going to believe in him, We have to believe in everything, everything that he says, everything that he does. We are saying to God, I believe in you. I believe in everything that you say. I believe everything that you don't say. And I'm believing in every promise that you have given to us. Everything that you have promised us from Genesis to Revelation, I'm pushing all my chips in. And I'm putting, I'm staking my claim in you. I believe in everything that you're saying, and I wait with patience for everything that you said we're going to have, and whatever you're going to usher us into, whatever you're going to give us, Lord God, I'm believing in it, because you are the eternal promise, and you've given us you, you've given us everything that you are, everything that you're not, and everything that we have, it all rests in your hands, and so God, I'm believing in you. I'm trusting in you. I'm delighting myself in you. I'm giving myself to you. And I'm waiting with with eager with eager longing and eager patience for everything that you promised. From Genesis to Revelation, everything that you promised, I'm waiting on you to get to give it to me. Every eternal promise is mine. And because you've sworn upon yourself, I can take that to the bank as a guarantee. Because you are the most supreme being. And in being the most supreme being, any anything that you swear upon yourself, take it to the bank. So if you say, I'm going to live forever in the life to come, I'm taking it to the bank. If you say that my sins have been forgiven me, I'm taking it to the bank. If you are saying that I can have life everlasting, I'm taking it to the bank. And I'm taking it to the bank because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross for me. I'm taking it to the bank because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross for all of us. Because we look to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. And if these scriptures that God has given us are God breathe, then anything that it says and anything that anything that it, that it that it that it proclaims, I'm taking it to the bank. And so we, just like Abraham waited for the promise, we too are waiting with eager longing for the promise of a new day, promise of a new dawn. And we are eternally secure in him upon repentance and belief. And again, we are assured of our faith, which is why he tells us again in chapter 6, verse number 11, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those through who, uh, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So again, Abraham is a shadow of the character and the nature of our faith in God. We should look to Abraham and how patient he was with God. And, 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 and how patient he was until, until Isaac showed up. And once Isaac showed up, to God be the glory. The promise was fulfilled. Just like Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him toward righteousness, we believe God, and our faith is counted toward righteousness. Not because of, of a righteousness of, of our—it's a righteousness of our own, but because it's a righteousness that was given to us by Jesus Christ upon Him dying on the cross and rising again, and, and, and giving us the inheritance giving us, crediting us with righteousness, transferring us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We are assured of what Christ has accomplished for us. We have the full assurance, and we walk that assurance out patiently until the end. Those who endure till the end shall be saved. Those who endure till the end shall be saved. So we, the people of God, we endure till the end in the full assurance that if God said it, it is going to come to pass. So there are two things that we as the people of God, we as the believers of God want to take from this from this message, to, from, the, um, from, from this block of Hebrews today. Number one, if we're going to ask God for anything, if we're going to ask anybody for anything, we should ask God. Whatever it is that you're, want, that you're looking for, that you're pleading for, that you're desiring, ask God for it. But be patient and wait on God to give you the answer. Sometimes we want to circumvent God by not waiting on Him for the answer. Again, I'm not talking about the solution. I'm talking about the answer. I'm not talking about the actual Thing itself, but the solution, the answer. What is God What is God saying about this thing that I want from him? And what is he requiring me to do about the thing that I want from him? Waiting on him, being patient with him. If he says wait, then we wait. If he says move, then we move. If he says stop, we stop. If he says no, don't go, we don't go. But whatever his answer is, we wait patiently for him to give us an answer. Whatever that answer is, we walk by faith on that question. We walk on that answer. We walk by faith on the solution that he gives us in that regard. Number two, the eternal promises that God has given us must always supersede any material blessing that we can receive here in this life. Because sometimes our faith in God is not contingent upon The eternal promises but contingent upon the material promises and we have to be careful that we're not getting bogged down in our faith in God because we're not getting the material things that we want God has promised us eternal promises and those eternal promises that God has promised us throughout scripture those are the things that we put our eternal hope in that we stake our claim in; those are the things that we are seeking God for, that that we're that we're chasing God down for. The eternal promises are the things that God want us. To, God would um, God wants us to anchor our souls in the eternal promises. Again, ask God for whatever you want. Don't not ask Him, cause again, if anybody's gonna give it to you, it's gonna be Him. But don't let the Lack of material blessings, you know that God that God, that you're asking God for, deter your faith. Because sometimes God's answer to material things is no, but all of the eternal promises that He's promised us are yes and amen, every last one of them. And so we, the people of God, we have to be reminded of what it is that God has promised us eternally, and walk out our eternal. Our eternal walk with Him, our, the eternality of the blessings that He's given us, we as the people of God have to be ever so careful that we are not um, fal- that we're not um, faltering in our faith because of a lack of material blessings. We look to Abraham as the example of what happens when we falter on the promise of God. We try to circumvent things. We went to Sarah, so impatient, like, you know what? I ain't going to have no child. Here, go take Hagar and go sleep with her. And his dumb self, okay. Instead of instead of being the one to stand up and say, no, God said that you're going to be the one. And so we going to wait. Abraham, his dumb self, okay. Why are we like this? He should have been the one to stand up and say, no, that ain't what God said. God said it's going to come through you and me. So that's how it's going to come through. I don't know when it's going to happen, but God said in his own time. Now, we understand in biblical history, Ishmael, you know, and the Ishmaelites and all that had to come to pass for, the, for reasons, um, you know, um, going to Samaria and all that kind of stuff. Nevertheless, um, you know, we see, we look to them and be like, this is what happens when you try to circumvent God. So don't try to circumvent him. Be patient and wait on God, but don't let his lack of answer in the material world deter you from believing in him in your soul and in your spirit. Because more often than not, the breakthrough that you're looking for is going to happen in the spirit. It's not going to always happen in the material world. It's going to happen in the spirit. We look to uh, Daniel, um, uh, look, um, uh, the, um, Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah. Y'all know them as Meshach, um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, I know God can deliver us out this furnace if you throw us in this furnace, king. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down to you. That is, the, that is the faith that we should have in God. That even if he doesn't come through with what I want him to do, I'm believing in Him and casting all of my, my my trust in Him because I know what He can do and I know what He's already promised me for my soul. And my, and my soul, my soul is more important than any material things that I could ever have in this life. My soul is what matters the most. The kingdom is what matters the most. And so I run this race Thank you God. Thank you God. Mm. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. He says starting at verse number starting at verse number 8. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. So we hold on to God. We hold on to Christ. And as we're holding on to Jesus, we are running this race with eager expectation that one day God is going to usher us into the new heavens and the new earth. That one day our faith will become sight. That one day we will reign with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. That the new earth that he's, that he's preparing for us, we will reign with him. That we will get to live with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. And we are grateful for what he has accomplished for us. When he died on the cross and rose again, he forgave my sins. He forgave your sins. He forgave the sins of the world. And upon repentance and belief, our our, our, our souls can be eternally secure. And so we run this race with eager zealousness. We run this race knowing that just like Abraham waited on the promise, we too are running, running to the promise, running to the promise. Because we know that if God did it for them, just like the author of Hebrews keeps saying, if he did it for them, surely Christ has done it for us. If he did it for them, then we can rest in the comfort of knowing that God has indeed done it for us. And as a result, we can run this race with eager longing that the race is already won. We just got to keep running. We just got to keep running. Got to keep moving. Got to keep pushing. Got to keep striving. And as scriptures tells us, Um, In the end of our section today in the book of Hebrews, he says, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who has set the path before us, has run the race already for us, credited us with the win, and says, Keep running. Just keep running. You, all, you got this. With eager longing and expectation, you keep running. You keep pushing. You keep striving. You going to make it. You going to be all right. We going to make it. We going to be all right. Our souls are resting in Jesus. If we have the eternal rest of God, then we can run this race. Let trials and tribulations come. We keep running. Let trials and tribulations come. We keep pushing. You know, it seems like God is never going to answer our prayers. We keep marching. Seems like things are never going to go the way that we want them to. We keep on moving. We keep on hoping. We keep on striving. Why? Because Jesus himself paid the price for us. Died for our sins and credited us righteousness. A righteousness that is not our own, but a righteousness that belongs to God. You better come through, sunflower. We cast all our cares on Jesus. Knowing that he cares for us. He said it himself, come all to me, those who are, who are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest for your souls. That eternal rest that God has promised us, it is eternally secure. It is guaranteed, backed by the author, by the author and the orchestrator of heaven himself. The sta- that's the, all the stamp approval we need is backed by heaven that we can have eternal rest for our souls. That is what God has ushered us into. That is what God is bringing us into. That is what God has promised each and every one of us if we repent and believe. Someone asked the question, "What is life about?" Oh uh, no, no. What, it, it, um, it, what is what is life worth? And I told and I told him yesterday, "It's worth everything." How do we know that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If Christ died for us, then that means life is worth everything. Everything. And it's eternally secure by the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of Jesus Christ. The power of God. The Godhead. Three in one. Our eternal promises are secure in them. Secure in him. And we, the people of God, can take it to the bank. So keep running. Keep striving. Keep pushing. Hold fast your confession. Hold fast to Jesus Christ. Hold fast to your faith. Because as it said, because as God is telling us today, we, the people of God, we, the believers in God, we can, we can take it to the bank that if God did it for Abraham, surely Christ has done it for us. If he did it for Abraham, he has done it for us. And the eternal promises and the eternal guarantees that Christ and God have promised us throughout Scripture, we can take those to the bank. Because God himself has secured it through Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising again for our eternal peace, for our eternal hope, and for our eternal salvation. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Want to thank you guys so much for the 187 likes that we've gotten so far. Thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, every share. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to drop down in that comment box below. Toward the end of the show, we will roll through the comment section and see what questions are there and answer as many questions as we can. So you got to wait till about... Uh, 7.45, 7.50 a.m. Eastern uh, for us to answer those questions. Uh, but again, thank you so much for watching. Um, and, and if you have missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to every episode from inception to now. When we come back, we're going to talk about a teacher that went viral for getting upset over the kids who have been unruly in her ballet class. And we're going to talk about the implications of that. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll be right back in just a moment. True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Again, we're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. There was a teacher that went viral last week after voicing frustrations with kids and parents in this generation um, talking, and um, the quote that she used was, kids want to dance to Pound Town. I don't know what the song Pound Town is, but it does not sound good, Uh, but rather than me talk about it, we're going to let her speak for herself. Um, Give me one second to flip the little camera around. Here we go.
1: Uh then pre-k to elementary school elementary school to high school i'm calling you out the children today i have never experienced and i'm i'm 22 having to teach and work with you guys as children has been the most traumatic experience of my life i teach five-year-olds ballet five-year-old girls ballet i have a class of 10 students They don't respect any authority. You ask them, can you stand in your designated spot? They're telling you no and shut up. They're throwing things at each other. They're throwing things at other people, other classmates. You say, can everybody sit in their spot? I don't want to, I'm not doing that. You don't get to tell me what to do. You're not my mom. You confront the parent. The parent tries to argue with you. I'm calling out all the parents. If you're a parent and your child is in pre-k to elementary school elementary school to high school i'm calling you out and fuss at you because you tried to reprimand and redirect their kid i told a young little girl please sit in your spot you're not my mom you don't tell me what to do okay when our mom came to pick her up i said hey your daughter's having a hard time following instructions and seven times today i've had to redirect her to just sit in her spot well, clearly she didn't want to sit, and mind you, this is the mom, clearly she didn't want to sit right there, so, I mean, if she's telling you she don't want to do something, why well, keep asking her to do it? You know she's not going to do it. What world do we live in? Like, what in you guys' brain, as a parent says, hmm, my kid not following any directions is, is a great thing, it's not that serious, and y'all don't have a right to tell her what to do. It's sad. It's sad. It's really, really sad. And I'm it is horrifying. Your five-year-old daughters are asking to listen to Pound Town and Ski Yee. Your daughters, your five-year-old daughters, are asking, "Can we hear Pound Town?" I'm playing them Princess Tiana ballet music, and they are asking me, "Can we hear Pound?" Because this is the most insane, insane agenda push I have ever seen in my life. We do freeze dance. You guys' daughters are twerking at five. Five. Where is the... I come every day dressed, ready to go. And I'm in school, too. I'm in college. I mean, I put bowls in my hair. I'm wearing leotards. I, I'm i trying to get them interested in, 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 like, proper things for their age. And you guys are exposing your kids to this raunchy, secular music. Why is you guys' five-year-old's daughter singing pound town? And it's just really, 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 it's upsetting.
0: Now, I ain't gonna lie, when I first saw this, my first thought was, Oh, little tink-tink. You know, oh, little ting tink because, welcome to adulthood. What well, we gotta deal with some of these bad iron kids. But what she's speaking to is a is is, is partly a deeper truth as well um, that a lot of us have would do well to pay attention to um, in as, as it pertains to the state of our generation today. Um, first, you know, just talking about her. Um, you know, the simple solution would have been just to kick the kids out of the class. Like, you can't mind, kick kids out. I don't care if they pay for the class or not. Kick them out. They they don't want to mind. Fine, you ain't gonna dance. How about that? Done with it. Over. Finito. Get them on out of there. But then my wife and I talked about it last night. And we were like, "But we know goodwill. We ain't gonna kick these kids out. We're gonna try to make it. We're gonna try to corral them. You know how we do." And so, you know, we just have to teach them, encourage them, learn, to learn how to mind, you know, the, the rules and everything, and figure out creative strategies to get them to to fall in line. Now, um, you know, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, the deeper truth that she's speaking to is um, the fact that, you know, there's there's several things happening at the, that's that's happening at once. I remember when I was growing up. Um, you know, we had Silk, R. Kelly, um, um, uh, what's her name? Doggett, what's her name? Um, the girl who sang, I'm gonna be a freak until the day, till the dawn. Um, you know, we had, um, uh, um, uh, Uncle Luke, you know, we had our nasty songs too, is all I'm saying. We had our nasty songs too. Now, there seemed to be a wider variety of music in that in that time frame. You know, back in that day, you had to listen to whatever was on the radio and to watch listen to whatever was on video soul or MTV or those sort of things. Like you didn't get you didn't really have an opportunity to really build a catalog unless you went and bought the physical stuff back in my day. No, both of y'all but most of y'all looking at me like, what? Yeah, to actually buy music? Yeah. CDs, tapes, um, you know, records. Yeah. We actually had to do that. You know? And so it so it was a lot. It did it, it, it wasn't as the videos, music videos, things like that didn't really permeate, you know, our airwaves like that. Um, in the days that in the days that I was growing up. But we still had those, we still had those same kind of songs. I mean, there was some nasty things going down in some songs. There was a lot of more innuendo, and you had to kind of put some things together. I mean, I mean, now, mind you, let me look you up and down until you say stop. That's really, I mean, that's pretty much, you know what's going on in there. You know, we're definitely not talking about lollipops. Um, but it wasn't as prevalent. Um, and you know the dance and the dances they weren't as you know raunchy and that sort of thing at least from what the kids could see. But we fast forward now to and it's been going on for like the past several years now. You know that's all the kids see. I mean, creative dance and things like that are very few and far between now. Like everybody wants to everybody every woman wants to twerk in the music videos. You know, it's all about how 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 much you can make your butt pop, you know, it's all about, you know, how much you can expose yourself and how long how low you can drop it and how long you can shake it. Like that's pretty much the the, the basic, you know, the basic premise of all of most of the female dances now. And because that's what all the music videos are permeating, that's all the TikTok videos are permeating, that's all anybody is permeating out in the in the atmosphere nowadays. That's all kids see. That's all kids hear. They don't want to listen to Barney. They don't want to listen to Princess Tiana. They don't want to listen to um Sophia the First. They don't want to listen to you know Thomas the Tank Engine. They don't want to. They don't. They're not looking for um for for um for the Spidey for Spidey and his friends. Like you know, once they hit about four or five years old and they get a taste of some um of some Nicki Minaj, it's over with. It's over with. And we. As the parents, are responsible for that, because we are allowing our children too much access too soon. We want our kids to be free and be able to find, express themselves and all that sort of thing. I get that, but for many of us, we are we have become very irresponsible when it comes to what our kids are being exposed to. We expose them way too early. To things that they are not ready for. Things they don't understand. And they are are sponges and going to imitate life. That's what kids do. They imitate what they see. They have no clue what they're doing. No clue why they're doing it. They're just imitating life. That's what kids do. So whatever we expose them to, that's what they're going to imitate. And so... Despite the fact that, you know, she need to run her classroom and just, she need to rule her ballet um, class, at the same time, she's speaking to a deeper truth. Because when she talked to the parent and told the parent, I had to tell this kid several times, had to redirect them several times, you know, but I can't stop them upside the head like I want to. And I had to redirect them several times. They wouldn't listen. The parent's like, well, if she didn't want to do what you wanted her to do, clearly she wasn't going to do what she wanted to do. Why you keep asking her? Instead of being like, oh, for real, that'll be handled. Now, I'll take care of that. She'll come back a whole different person tomorrow. I promise. She'll come back tomorrow. And so it speaks again to a deep to a deeper truth. If the parent isn't gonna make her mind, what makes you think the teacher gonna be able to? But these be the same parents that they want to get on to the teachers when their kids are failing. You ain't teaching my baby. You ain't doing you ain't doing a good enough job as a teacher. I can't do this by myself. I need help. And they gotta get it at home. If they ain't getting it at home, what makes you think they're gonna get it here? And so again, you know, it's it's a cycle that's been that's being permeated and perpetuated. And we've seen it since the dawn of time. This ain't nothing new under the sun. But we're seeing it far more now than we ever have in any other generation because we have overexposed our our children, and and, and by and, and by virtue of us being you know too exposed to stuff ourselves. Um, and having become desensitized to all this stuff, that we just let our kids see whatever they see, do whatever they do, and we celebrate it. I can't tell you how many times we've seen kids on videos of TikTok and Instagram and Facebook of, of, of doing all the raunchy dances and doing all those things, and the parents are there hyping them up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. Until it ain't. And then you're wondering, how did it get like this?
1: I don't know where I went wrong. I'm a good parent.
0: Our kids are being, are, 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 we're failing our kids. Now, as I say that, let me not say that we as a whole are failing our kids. I tell y'all this all the time because I, I gotta, that's why I'm checking myself now. We only see the negative because you. It's hard to find where the good parents are at. It's hard to find where the good kid, where the good you know kids, and I'm, and I'm using that term loosely, where the good kids are at. We don't see that being hyped up on our social media feeds. We don't see that being hyped up on our TikToks. We don't see that being hyped up. You know, they got a whole section on TikTok called STEM where your science and your technology and all that are, when's the last time you went over there and looked at some videos? TikTok purposefully carves out a space for positivity, inspiration. When's the last time you found yourself in that section of, of, of TikTok? Good things happening in the world. When's the last time you saw that? But I bet you, you know what happened with Diddy. I bet you know what what's what's going on um with 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 your politics. I bet you know what happened on Real Housewives last night. I bet you know that Ashanti and Nelly are, are having a baby, which is great by the way. I'm not I'm 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 actually happy for that. But what I'm saying is we pay attention to what we want to pay attention to. And so yes, this is sad. But I promise you for every sad situation that we see, I'm willing to I'm willing to bet that there's for every sad thing we see, there's countless good things that are happening that we never see. We never see we rarely see the videos of the teachers actually doing a good thing. We rarely see the the kids that are actually minding. We 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 rarely see those things. Yes, this is a problem. We as parents need to make sure that we're doing a better job of raising our children, especially if we're in Jesus. We need to make sure we're raising them up. You know, raising them up to make a sound decision of who they want to serve and making a sound decision on treating people with respect. Treating their elders with respect. Whether they're believers or not. They need to be treating the elders with respect. If you're going to do something, do it with respect. Not copping attitudes. You're not my mama. No, no, you don't. Mm-mm. That, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Because I promise you, if you're saying that to me, you're probably saying it to your mama too. In some way, shape, or form. You don't tell me what to do. And where they're getting it from. So we as the people of God... We as the believers in God, let's look to this as an example of why it's imperative that we train up our children. We train them up in the Lord. That we spare not the rod. And I'm not talking about beating kids. I'm talking about the rod of correction. That we're steering them in the right direction. The scripture says, spare the rod, spoil the child. It's not talking about beating them. That was that was foul. They should not. have they, they never should have took us there. You know, never should have took it there. You know, they were only practicing what they knew from in them. Sparing the rod, spoiling the child is talking about the rod of correction, like a sheep herder who takes his staff and moves his sheep in the right direction. The rod of correction. We are there to steer our children in the right on the right on the right path. Steer them on the right course, so that hopefully. They don't find themselves at five, six, seven, eight, nine years old twerking, but can't but can't spell their name. No every lyric to every song that's out there now. These songs are so stupid and simple nowadays. You how, how can you not learn the songs? But they can't they can't add two plus two. Yeah, they can they can they can hype up and, and, and hype up, you know, a a a family reunion. But they can't sit in their seat. And you want to blame the teachers for that. We got to do a better job as parents. If that's us. Pray for guidance. Pray on how to train them up in the admonition of the Lord. Again, you know, for her sake, hope she can grow a spine and let those kids know, that, nah, we ain't doing that. Mm-mm. we ain't doing that. Not here. We, 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 want, we will never dance again. We will never dance again. Not if y'all treat me like this. Mm-mm. And we're going to get up in that performance, and you're going to look like boo-boo, and I want, I want a parent to come and say something to me. Want them. There's more than one way to skin a cat, as the saying goes. Don't go skinning cats. But we as the people of God, we have to be willing to step in that space and train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they get older, they will not depart, if God so says the same. And so we learn from this example, raise our children up in the way that they should go. Don't look to the teachers to do your job. Teachers and I'm saying this, I hope Nicole still watching. You know, I'm saying I say I say it I'm saying it like this for this reason. Teachers are not babysitters. Teachers are not supposed to be babysitters. Teachers should not be your your kids' parents. Be the parent. Train them up. Raise them up. It's It's not your teacher's job to be a parent. It takes a village to raise a child. No doubt about that. But your te- their, 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 their child's teacher should not be their parent. You be the parent. Let your teacher be, the, let, them, let their teachers be teachers. They shouldn't have to do your job and theirs. And don't especially don't catch an attitude if you find that, they, they, that they're trying to tell you something about what your kid did and you catch the whole attitude because why ain't you? Train them up. Train them up. That's the job and the charge that God has given us. When it says children obey your parents and, and fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, that's a charge. Take care of your children. Teach them in the way that they should go. Raise them up. Do not spare the rod of correction. Again, it's not again a browbeater. It's a steering. Come this way. This direction. Move over here, so that we, the people of God, can be the difference again. For I believe with every issue that we see like this, and this issue is a problem. But with every issue that we see like this, there are far more people that are doing good, far more kids that are doing good, that doing great. This outlier. But it is becoming more the norm. And that's alarming. So let us do something before this becomes the norm. And good kids and respectful classes and things like that become the outliers. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D Right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thank you for the 1,400 likes that we've received today. Every like, every comment, every follow, and every share. If you missed any part of this message or would like to listen to future future and past episodes, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. If you have any questions or comments, fill out that comment box below. With any question or comment that you have, we just ask that you keep it classy. Toward the end of the show, we're gonna scroll through the comment section and answer every question that is in that comment box. And so we thank you. When we come back, we're gonna be talking about a, la- uh, a lady and her husband and their, um, and their interesting, um, dalliance with sexuality and the implications of being an inventor of evil. We'll be right back in just a moment. True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, certainly grateful for the 1,600 likes that we received thus far. Keep those likes coming if you so desire to do so. Um, I had a client um, I was talking to earlier this week, and she was telling me, uh, we've been talking for a while now, and we're talking, um, we've are talking been talking about the fact that um, she and her husband were participating in an open relationship. In this open relationship, they um, decided that you know that that she was going to play this hot wife role. And in this hot wife role, she would go and do whatever it is that she wanted to do with whomever she would do it with, and then she would come back and tell her husband what she did, and that would get her husband off. And they practiced this for a while, but then she started to you know she start she did this hot wife thing with this particular dude. And her husband was so upset about it that they uprooted their entire life and moved to a whole different state to get away from that guy. She decided, I don't want to do this anymore, you know, because if it's going to make us have to uproot our whole lives for us to for you to be all right, it just doesn't seem doesn't seem like ought to be. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. And so lo and behold, he tells her to do it again. And so she did it again. Trying to make him happy. And sure enough, like clockwork, he got upset with the fact that she was sleeping with this particular dude all over again. And got so upset and frustrated that now I don't want you to be, I don't want you to sleep with him no more. Cool. All right. I'll leave him alone. But then three days later, why don't you go sleep with that dude again? What? And they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth like this. He he. She goes and does something with him. He gets upset. She tries to break it off. He says, keep going. She goes again. He gets upset. She tries to break it off. He says, keep going. She goes again, and they keep going in cycles like this over and over again. She comes to me with it, and I, and, I, and I ask her the question, what is he getting out of this? What is he getting out of you being with another dude That that and and it's not him. What what is he getting out of that? Because apparently, whatever it is that he's getting out of it, he is not allowing you to stop doing it, even though he's claiming it's frustrating him. What it sounds like to me is that he's not frustrated about it in so much that he's enjoying playing the role of a victim of adultery, and as a result. He loves that role so much that he's going to continue to push you to, to be with this dude that you don't want to be with, but you keep going back to, to make your husband happy, only to then come home and he be upset with you. The math ain't mathing on that. And so she tried to confront him on it, and the most that she can get out of it was that he enjoys knowing that somebody else Finds her attractive. That he gets a kick out of that. Now, why he gets a kick out of it to the point where he wants her to go sleep with somebody else. Only to then get mad that she's sleeping with this dude. Doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, she's like, he wants me to keep going. I keep telling him I don't want to. But he won't let it go. And he won't stop bothering me about it. He won't stop bringing it up and he won't stop talking about how upset he is so much so that when they went to couples counseling he brought it up there saying that he was upset with her for sleeping with the dude and then I and so I asked her did you tell the therapist that he that he gave you the green light well no why not because that's the that's the precipice for everything that's going on that's the whole foundation for what's happening he gave you permission I, I shouldn't have taken it, but he gave you permission, and then now is getting upset with you. But he's only upset with you because you're you're with this person by his permission. He set this up. Romans chapter one tells us, and I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let Paul speak for himself. boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Our minds are so inventive that we will invent ways. To satisfy the longings of the soul. This man's mind and his heart are so sick. That the way for him to get off. To be aroused. Is by his wife. Sleeping with another man. coming back and telling him and he then played the role of victim to make himself feel good on the inside she says i don't want to do this anymore he then pushes her go and do it again anyway you know you want to you know you like him you know you want to be you know you want to be a part of his life go ahead and do it I promise I won't get mad. Then you come home. I'm so upset with you. Cause you went and slept with him. And so continuously feeding this void with this idea. Other people find my wife attractive. That's a turn on for him. A turn on in his in his in, in the void of his soul. You know how sick you gotta be to want your spouse to go sleep with somebody else so you can get your rocks off? Then catch an attitude with the person, with your spouse, because they did what you asked them to do? And then they stop and you catch an attitude for them stopping and encourage them to keep going Only to perpetuate the cycle. You know how sick your heart and mind have to be? People often ask the question. If God is so good. Why would he allow evil in the world? It's moments like this. Where I can proudly say. Because if God got rid of all the evil in the world, he would have to get rid of you and me. Because our minds are sick. We can come up with the most insane things to satisfy the longings of the soul. We can sometimes come up with the most insane things to be satisfied. I don't judge this person for what, for what he's coming up with. He's sick and he definitely, I I pray to the high heaven that a therapist can get in that room with him and, and knock some sense into his head. I pray to the high heaven. Somebody can give this man, Jesus to cure the soul, to cure the longing of the soul. He's sick, but it speaks to a deeper truth. That all of us are in need of a savior. Because all of us have the capacity to think things that do not make sense. And some of us have the audacity to think those things through. So we the people of God. We look to this not to judge him. I want to, but I'm not going to. I don't have a heaven or a hell to put this man in. But we pray for him and others like him who are so convinced that they have to have this thing in order to feel satisfied in their souls. We've all been there. We've all tried to, re- tried to replace God with something else to satisfy the longings of the soul. We got done doing a series called God's at War for a reason. We all have something that we're willing to replace, to supplant the throne of God. He believes that, you know, and has to become addicted to somebody else finds my wife attractive. Attractive. That's so sexy to me. Why? Why? My wife slept with somebody else last night. Ooh, that made me feel some type of way. Why? I'm going to play the role of victim. Ooh, that makes me feel so good. Why? Why? Why is all of that what you need to get yourself off? Make it make sense. Why do you need all of that in order to make yourself feel good on the inside? What's going on inside of your heart space in your soul space to where you feel like I have my, I got to have my wife go sleep with some other man in order to make me feel good? I got to have my wife, you know, go out and, 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 and do all sorts of things and come back and report to me what she did in order to get myself off. Inventors of evil, Romans chapter one, inventors of evil, given up to a reprobated mind. This is what a reprobated mind has the capacity to do, to invent something as sick as this. And what's more, the the, the wife is like, stop, like no, say no. He mad? Be mad? No, no, not gonna participate in this for your sake. No, not gonna participate in this so you can get your rocks off. No, we're not doing that. Not doing that. And we're done. We're done. We're done. You know, I'm, gonna not, I'm not gonna sleep with this dude so you can get your rocks off no more. We're not doing that. Not doing that so you can get your jollies on. No, we're not doing that. But that's what a sick heart can do, can invent ways to try to satisfy the longings of the soul. Yeah, I'm going to have my wife go sleep with another dude and then go tell me about it so I can make myself, make me feel good. That's sick. I'm going to pretend that, you know, that I'm so butt hurt that she went and slept with somebody else so I can make myself feel good. That's sick. I'm going to catch an attitude with her so it can make me feel good about myself. That's sick. But that is what the heart can do when it's not anchored in eternity. It has the capacity and the potential to do insane things. And let me not even say that. We can be in the faith and still do some sick stuff. Look at David and Bathsheba. David had no business looking at Bathsheba like that. No business calling her up to um to him. Had no business sleeping with another man's wife. And I and I promise you, it was it ain't it ain't it wasn't sexy. She she wasn't like oh I get to sleep with the king. It wasn't like that. That was a you don't say no to the king. You can die for that. So even David, a man after God's own heart, got real sick one day and followed through. Where were his boys? Nah, bro, we we can't do this, dog. We can't do this. No, I mean, I know you're the king and everything, but we can't do that. Mm -mm, That ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna work. So again, let us not judge this dude in this, in, the, in this, in this lady, let's not judge them. Because look at our own lives. What have we done? That's why we need a savior. That's why I keep saying we need a savior too. Not just to save us, but to sustain us. To save us when there is, there is no. When, when, there's, when, when, when we want, when we don't want to be kept. We need somebody to keep us. We need somebody to keep us when we don't want to be kept. Because there are times when we want to do stuff that we know we ain't got no business doing. None. And yet our filthy minds and filthy hearts can invent some stuff. That's why we need a savior. To keep us anchored in him. To keep our minds renewed and transformed. The renewing of our minds, that ain't just a one-time thing. It's a constant washing over and over and over again. Because we are some evil people. Greedy people. Want our way, people. We want things our way. And we need to be kept when we don't want to be. Otherwise, we fall into diverse temptations. So again... This isn't to judge them. Don't have a heaven or hell to put them in. But what this is telling us is that if we're not careful, God may give us over to a reprobated mind, a debased mind that will cause us to do the unthinkable and feel justified in what we do. Find ways to justify our evil. Again, this man went to therapy. It was telling the therapist, I'm mad with her. And all, none of this would have happened if she just would have slept with that dude. But you told her to. You pushed her to. You You gave permission for it. You orchestrated it. You masterminded it. You celebrated it. You lauded it. You greenlit it. So how dare you get frustrated with her when you're the one who set it up in the first place? Now, again, I don't know if she told him that. That's what she she should have done in the therapy room to begin with. I only did it because you told me to. I told you I didn't want to. You kept pushing the issue. I thought it would make you happy. Then you come back with attitude. I tell you I don't want to do it no more. You come a week later and tell me to do it again. You... keep going back and forth testing for what but again that shows how sick some of us can be shows us how sick some of us can be where we are inventors of evil to satisfy the longings of the soul should have never sent her wife to another man's arms so she so he could get his rocks off should have never played this victim role only to then get frustrated when she said, I don't want to do it anymore and pushed her back into his arms again. Should have never done that. And yet kept pushing the issue, kept pushing the envelope, kept pushing it, pushing it and pushing it. So that he could feel satisfied in himself. Could get his rocks off. Because the, my wife being loved by others and adored by others and being loved on by others. That's what gets me off. That's sick. sick. But that's why we need a Savior. We need a Savior to save us from our idiocy. To save us from our evil ways. To save us from our evil thinking. Because again, even the best of us can still fall into diverse temptations. So we as the people of God, we have to pray every single day. God, keep me when I don't want to be kept, lest I fall into temptation and do things that I ought not do and and, and disgrace your name and hurt people along the way. Do not harden my heart so much to where I'm doing what I'm doing without any recompense, without any remorse, gaslighting. To, make, to, to put me on the pedestal and put people around me on the altar. Help me to keep me when I don't want to be kept. Keep me when I don't want to be kept. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thankful for the 3,200 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, follow, comment, and share. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Listen to every episode from inception to now. When we come back, Mike Epps bought his entire childhood neighborhood to create an affording housing project um, for people in that community. And so we're going to so that he becomes our uh, something praiseworthy moment on today. Thank you. Thank you for watching. and We'll be right back in just a moment. The True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. right here on TikTok Live. Weekly Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mike Epps, a, go- a very good comedian and actor, bought his entire childhood neighborhood in Indianapolis. So I'm going to let you guys listen to him in our Something Praiseworthy segment for the day.
1: right? I bought
0: my whole childhood block back. Six homes. this home for me. And there's nothing in the world like it. That's why I'm buying back. We actually got evicted from. Back in the day, I grew up in the 70s. It was about family and friends. It was about community. The memories were unforgettable. After all the big movies, television, running
1: around doing stuff, we actually got ran down. The streets are ran down. Me and my wife, Kyra, we're on a mission. To renovate these houses one at a time. And to make sure people can afford the ran down. I
0: think these are more pictures. That's the last picture. Okay. Gotcha. All right. And so um, he started, um, you know, he basically bought up his entire neighborhood once again. And in doing so, um, is trying to create, it's created an affordable housing project for the community that he grew up in. Um, And as I'm always saying to you guys, there's a lot of great things that are happening out there in the world if we just know how to look. If we just know how to look, we would find that there's a whole lot of things that are going on, on all, all, that are going on all around us. And more important, and to the point, there's a lot of celebrities that are doing a lot of great things in the world. Like we often, th- we often act as if you know our celebrities aren't doing anything. Like they don't keep putting their money where their mouth is or anything like that. But no, there are a lot of good people, a lot of celebrities, a lot of people who are in the entertainment business and things like that that are doing a lot of great things. In their communities, I remember, I remember listening to um, to um, to, um, to Dr. Umar, and he was talking about how you know the, how the hip hop community, how the hip hop legends haven't done anything for the black community, and I often and I, and I often you know want to challenge him and say, "Are you looking hard enough?" Because there's a lot of great things that are happening in the world that people just don't see. You know, it isn't just about passing out turkeys on Thanksgiving or passing out sneakers every now and then. No, they're actually doing a lot of great things to impact communities that we just don't hear about. We don't see them. No one's saying anything about these things. Um, Just like the um, commenter on um, Instagram said he could have just stuck with the big house, but he bought the whole block and is building a community like that's a big deal. And again, he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't. He doesn't have to. And I'm, of course, it's a business venture without question. So he's gonna probably gonna make some money off of it without question. And yet, he's doing it anyway. He's doing it anyway, and he's making it affordable, so that way people can can reclaim their communities rather than you know it just going off you know, um, you know being um, um gentrified. And now it's becoming a new place for, you know, for, you know, uh, a more um, upscale, you know, generate a class of citizen um, can can then come and buy can come and buy those places. No, he's making it affordable for the people um, who, who still need housing, too. And so, again, this is our something praiseworthy moment. We celebrate Mike Epps and praise God for Mike Epps for doing such a great job in buying back the community doing what he's doing to, um, to to build affordable housing and giving people an opportunity to live in the community that he grew up in, to build it back up to a place of prominence. Again, you know, it, all it takes is, it it, take, it takes some money, obviously it takes some money, but it takes one person who has an idea and, ha- and can get the resources together to make things like this happen. So again, as I always tell y'all, if you can't see the good, man, go be the good. Go go go! Lend a helping hand. Go help somebody along the way. Go do something. You know, because again, he didn't have to do this. He didn't have to. He could have had somebody else to do it. He could have. He, he could have just you know sat on his laurels and said, you know what, you know they got it, they got it. It's all good. I ain't got to, I ain't got to step in and do nothing. Somebody else can handle it. Somebody else got it. But instead, he stepped up. He stepped up and said, you know what, I got this. We can do we can do this. Let's do this. And now he's well on his way to creating affordable housing for people in his Indianapolis community and in doing so, giving people an opportunity to be able to reclaim their community, build it back up to prominence, build it back up to where it can be better than than it's ever been before. And so, again, we celebrate we celebrate God Um. Um, uh by you know by, by we celebrate God, we thank God by celebrating Mike Epps um and thank God for him for being inspired um, and I'm, I'm gonna say it was inspired by the Holy Ghost whether or not he was inspired by the Holy Ghost or not but inspired by the Holy Ghost to be able to go and um, buy the community back and in doing so be able to give people an opportunity to reclaim their community and build it build it better than it's ever been before. So, again, that is our something praiseworthy today, and we thank God that he's given us the opportunity to be able to see that there is still some good going on in the world, even on times when it doesn't even feel like it. All right. Let's go through these comments real quick. I see people um, come, um, jumped in the comment box on today, and so let's see what you guys are talking about today. Um, see what's going on here. Let's see. Um, do you believe Jesus died to save the border of wickedness? I don't know what the border of wickedness is, what that means, but I do believe that Jesus asked um, that Jesus um, died to save everyone, from the smallest to the greatest, to the least to the greatest. You know, black, white, purple, pink, rich, poor, everybody's everybody's broad brush, the whole world. John three sixteen, homie. God, God so loved the world. whole thing. Gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So that is what I believe. believe So I believe if if people are on the border of wickedness, then he died for them too. So if if they are there, there Jesus is too. if If we ascend to the heavens, there he is. If we make our bed in Sheol, there he is. He is everywhere and everything all at once. And so, yes, if people are on the border of wickedness, then Jesus died to save them too. Um, Do not know what I'm asking, miss. I don't know what that is. Um, all right. Do you believe? Jesus died to save what God hates. Um, God hates sin. Um, So, no, I do not believe God died to save sin. No, I I don't believe that. I believe that God came to save sinners, um, but he did not die to save sin. Um, So, no, I don't believe that. Um, What is Christ's testimony according to the scriptures? Um, He said a lot of stuff, man. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Go read. Uh, he said a lot of stuff, man. He said a lot of stuff. He said a lot of stuff. Um, He said, I and my father are one. He said, you know, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, He said, you know, I am, uh, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, he said a lot of stuff, man. Read the scriptures. I, uh, You know, read. go read the scriptures, man. Um, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go get you one of the one that have the red letters. And all the red letters are the words that Jesus said that everything he said that, that er, every, everything that he said because he said a lot he said a lot of stuff he told he told Paul, why are you persecuting me when you persecute the Christians you persecute me you know so again he said he said a lot of stuff so if you want to know that bad um go read go go, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John I and mean, the, the testimony is, is right there. Um, it, it's right there. Go, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, man. Go, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, chapter one says it's written to the saints who are Israelites. So you wrong, homie. Um, okay. That's what's up. Chapter one on what? Um, what is Christ said? T- I said that before. Um, second Peter three, 15, 16, stop wrestling scriptures for money. Um, I don't do this for money. Um, y'all already know my whole, my my testament. that like I got my own job, make my own money, pay my own bills. So, I don't do this for money. If y'all do decide to give a gift, hey, more power to you. It's just going to go to help to keep up the website. But even if you don't, I'm going to pay for it myself anyway. So, I ain't even worried about that. Um, so, again, I don't do this for money. I'm not, I definitely don't do this for money. If I was doing this for money, I failed. Talk to my agent. My agent will tell you. If my, if I do this for money, I am failing miserably. Like he told me to become an agent, so that way I can make money. Like it's no, nah. I'm definitely not doing this for the money. If I was doing this for the money, Lord have mercy. Um, chapter one says that It's like chapter one of what? Um, create worlds with an S. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, Bacchus Balder says there's no good reason to believe that God exists. Um. There's plenty of reason. There's plenty of reason to believe that God exists. There's plenty of reasons to believe that he exists. Um, But as I always say, and I will say it again. Unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing that we say to you is going to make sense. So all we can do is preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. In hopes that it pierces the heart. And as it pierces the heart, God gets into that space and transforms the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And compels you by the beating heart of God, the, the heart of God resting and ruling inside of you, to repent and believe. I'll tell you, I, um, the story of my daughters coming to repentance. I didn't compel them to say anything to me about them wanting to be saved. You know, we watching TV... And some episode of New Amsterdam is on and it's something that the girl, something that one of them said, you know, prompted her to be like, I don't know, you know, if I'm going to, if I don't know if I'm saved or not. And, you know, and so I was like, are you sure sh- you, sh- you don't know if you're saved or not? She's like, no, I don't. I said, well, let me ask you the question. You know, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? And she was like, yes, I believe that. And I said, do you believe that God raised him from the dead? And she said, yeah, I believe that. You believe he died for your sins, you know, then you are saved. Because if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, then my child, you are saved. I didn't prompt her, I didn't push her to do that. God did that. So, you know, I, so again, I can't make you see. The need for God. I can't make you see the reason for God. But what I can do is keep preaching and keep teaching in hopes that one of these days as you're watching the show God says something to you and if he says something to you that you have an ear to hear, an eye to see and a heart to believe Um, a mind okay, an ear to hear an eye to see a mind to receive and a heart to believe If you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't. I don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in. All I know is what I know about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for me, and I'm letting everybody know what He did for me and teaching these scriptures, you know, and showing people how we can see Christ in all of the world that we live in, how we see it through the teacher that was frustrated because the kids were minding her, and how we see it through Mike Epps buying back his community as a picture of the eternal, woo, the picture of the eternal rest. That God is, God is promising for us. Building back a community. You know, that's a picture of Christ coming back to get us and then ushering us into the new heavens and the new earth. And as he said, I have prepared a place for you. So we can look to the example of Mike Epps and see Christ in that. That's my job, is to show any, every, any and everybody Jesus in the world that we live in, in the landscape of the world that we live in, in hopes that maybe it will inspire you, To want to draw closer to the Lord. But there are plenty of reasons why we should believe in God. Plenty of reasons. You know, the world shows us that there's plenty of reasons why we should believe in him. But again, you make up your own mind about what you want to do about that. It's not my job to change your mind. It's just my job to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I know is the the, son of God. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. So I know that I I, I don't know if this word is going to make a difference. I don't know if it's going to make a difference in your life. I don't know if it's going to make a difference in my life. I mean, in your life. I know it made one in mine. I don't know if it's going to make a difference in yours. But I do know that if you give him a chance, there's guaranteed guarantee that it will, according to the scriptures. But you got to have a relationship with Jesus in order to understand that. Um, somebody uh teaching the truth that the Trinity is heresy. Uh no, that's not me. I'm not that one. mm I'm not that one. So don't don't put that on me. I am not teaching that. The Holy Trinity exists. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The three are one. I, that, that, I believe in that wholeheartedly. So if you talk about me being that dude, I am not that dude. mm I'm sorry. Um, that is not me. Now. Um somebody asked in my inbox yesterday um to talk about um you know uh, how did he put it how can we how can yeah how can we know um that God exists how can we know that god exists how can we know that that god is real um so here it is. I don't have the ability to make God appear so that you know with the natural mind that he exists. None of us have the ability to do that. I can't make Jesus come out of thin air and be like, "I am Jesus Christ. Believe in me." I can't make I can't make him I can't make him I can't make anybody do that. I can't make an angel fall from the sky and declare God is real. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. When Thomas, um, when Jesus came back, you know, he appeared before the disciples and all that. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas like, I ain't believing unless I put my hands in his um, my, my hands in his in his nail prints, and my hand in the side. I want to see him face to face. So Jesus shows up. I'm like, what's up, Thomas? Come here, touch my arm, touch where where they put the nails at, touch my side, where they stuck me at. He said to him, blessed are you who have seen and believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Faith is how we know that God exists. We don't know this from scientific data that proves the existence of God. That's not what faith is. Faith is, it doesn't come by sight. It doesn't come by seeing. It's a a spiritual thing. God is spiritually discerned. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we can't scientifically know that God exists. Like you can scientifically see that I'm here, I can't make that I can't none of us can make that happen for God. God designed it that way. He designed it that way. So that we who have not seen and yet still believe are blessed. There was a time when Jesus walked this earth. And when he walked this earth, the people who saw him walked with him, talked with him. But then when it was time to get on that cross, they saw him, and yet they denied him. They betrayed him. They walked away from him. So even if you saw God face to face would you still would you believe him would you would you still be in disbelief what would you need to see in order to believe that God exists what would you need to feel to know that God exists. The thing I love about questions like that is that you, the bur- you 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 act as if the burden of proof is on me, but it's not. The burden of proof is on God. I don't get in God's business. I can only tell you how He got me. But I can also tell you that He didn't get me by appearing in a vision. He didn't get me by showing up magically in, 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 a, in a dream or while I'm walking down the street or while I'm in my backyard. He didn't show up that way for me. He's shown up like that for a lot of people, but he ain't show up like that for me. So I can't tell you that I've seen the Lord. The close I've come to seeing Jesus face to face, maybe, might be this one time where I fell asleep and was thinking about Jesus and and then, as I was sleeping, fell into kind of a little trance, and in that trance, saw Jesus for like a flash second. But to me, you know, I don't know if I saw Jesus or whether that was just my brain trying to go to sleep. So I don't claim that that was a vision from the Lord. I don't. I don't claim that. But that's. But even then, that's not what made me believe in Him. So even if he showed up in your life in some type of way where you saw him face to face, would you would you believe? That's why faith is from God. Salvation is from God. It's not from us. God's got to get in his heart and change things around and split things around for us to believe in him. That ain't coming. That ain't coming by our own intellect. That ain't coming by our own might. Not coming by our own strength. That comes from the Lord. So I don't get in God's business when it comes to proving his existence. That's God's work. That's God's job to prove his existence. I don't have to prove a thing. That's not my job. That's not my lane. That's not my role. He told me to present the gospel. He didn't tell me to prove his existence. That's God's work. Cause again, at the end of the day, even if God showed up to you in 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 a, in a way that only He could show up to you, would you would you believe? Or would you find another way to dismiss what God is showing you, so that you can continue to hold on to your unbelief and argue folk down because it gets you off? So, you know, it says, how do we prove, you know, how how do we know that God is, how do we prove that God is real? We don't. We just present the gospel and let God do the work of showing himself to his people how he chooses to. We present the gospel and it either melts the ice or hardens the clay. It either melts the ice or hardens the clay. And so this gospel is going to do its job. It's either going to cause salvation to occur, or it's just going to further harden the heart to where we say cynical things, just like user 660, whatever, do you believe in Santa Claus too? Hardening of the heart. It's a hardening of the heart. But that's okay. Because all we're going to keep doing is preaching Jesus. Until God decides, I'm going to melt that ice. So we thank God every day for what he has accomplished in our lives. And hope that at some at some point, someone will hear the gospel. And give their lives over to Him. And for the ones who are already in the kingdom. That this gospel message that we preach continues to encourage, enlighten, and strengthen us as we move on to the eternal promises and glory that God has promised to us. And so, yeah, man. That's thank y'all for the questions today. I really do appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, man. Y'all y'all put in y'all put in some good ones today. Really do appreciate y'all on this morning. Thank you guys so much. Uh, for all that you've done today. Thank you for the 3,300 likes that we've received. Thank you for every comment, like, follow, and share. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to listen to your boy talk about Jesus and all that he's done for us. Um, Thank you guys so much. I don't think I'll be back on tomorrow, so I'll see you guys once again on Monday morning at 6 a.m. for the True Gospel Morning Show. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.